Well, this evening, as we come before our Lord on this great solemnity of our Mother's Immaculate Conception, um, we give thanks to Almighty God for this tremendous grace uh, which He bestowed upon our Mother. You know, as we as we celebrate today, um, and we rejoice, and it's a it's a high feast in the church. Um, in normal circumstances, a holy day of obligation. Um, it's something that's beautiful when we when we reflect upon you know um, somebody who has um, done something good for a loved one of ours that that we we feel tremendous gratitude when we really identify ourselves with another person when we really love them uh, as we grow in love for them then anyone who does something good for that person that that resonates in us right if if I hear that somebody you know goes to my parents' house and mows their lawn for them out of just you know, love for them. I'm like, okay, wow, thank you. You know, that really, it it, motivated, it moves me. Uh, well, all the more so today. This is part of the, the main reason we celebrate what God has done for our mother. And if, if we don't have a deep love for this feast um, of Immaculate Conception, if we don't really feel that, well, then we need to unite ourselves more and more with Our Lady. She's our mother. And when someone does something good for her, um, we, should, we should love that. And that should move us, and so, um, and so that that's you know we grow in our our devotion to Our Lady, uh, that this grace was given to her. the The grace of the Immaculate Conception is very unique. It is it's it's a singular grace. Um, it's it's this was never done for anybody else in the history of creation. Never will be done for anybody else um, for the rest of time. That this is a very unique grace. It's called. Um, by God's prevenient grace is used in the prayer of the Mass. That means it's God's grace which pray venere, comes before. Um, that, that this is a grace which God gives to our mother, not because of anything that she did. It's a grace that she receives at the very moment of her conception. Um, but it's in view of the future merits of our Lord that God uh, gives her this prevenient grace. Um, that she be preserved from all stain of sin from the very moment of her conception. John the Baptist uh, was uh, sanctified in the womb. We believe that, you know, when Our Lady and Our Lord in her womb visited Elizabeth and John the Baptist, when John leaped in his mother's womb, as we'll be hearing about in the coming in the coming days, um, as we get closer to Christmas, well, that's John being sanctified in the womb, him leaping in the womb. Well, um, Mary wasn't sanctified in the womb. She was, she was sanctified um, from the very moment of her conception. There was no sin ever taken away from her. She was preserved from all stain of sin. Uh, and she was done, this was done to prepare her to be the worthy dwelling place of God. That Mary is, um, is, is prepared in this very unique way um, by this individual in singular grace to, to prepare her for her mission. Um, that of, of those who are merely human, obviously our Lord was sinless, um, but he was also God. <laughs> um, Mary, of those who are, who are only human, not God as well, um, that, that she is the holiest um, of, of all, and that she has been prepared um, fittingly for her, her role. It, this could cause us to reflect, um, in a way, upon... Upon how God's grace acts in our life. Now, none of us um, are are recipients of this same type of grace. However, it's a helpful reflection 
uh, for us today as we consider this unique grace for our mother, um, how God's grace works in our lives. That God's grace in our lives is not, um, it's not just like cookie cutter. It's not like, well, God gives, you know, this type of grace and that type of grace and you better you better like whatever you get because that's all there is, right? Like that's not how God's grace works in our lives. God's grace uh, working in our lives is very unique. Um, it's tailor-made for each and every one of us. It's not um, just fit into whatever God has. And, and, you know, the way that the Lord calls us and shapes us and molds us in holiness is meant to be very unique to each one of us and not something where we just have to have to deal or settle, you know, uh, holiness being for each and every one of us and each of us being called to the heights of holiness, we, we can really reflect on how, how we, um, God individually has graces for each one of us. There's an individual path for holiness for each and every one of us, um, that God's prepared for us. And he, pro- he gives us all the graces we need for that and all the life experience. And even in our sins and our falls and our forgiveness that we receive from those, but that we, we have this unique path of holiness. And that, um, you know, I, I, I'm not Our Lady. <laughs> God had his graces for her, and we can strive after her model of holiness. But, you know, um, any of the other saints that we're devoted to, well, we're not them, right? God already created them. He already gave them their particular graces. Well, now he's created us. And, you know, it could be very easy, for example, as a parish priest, to say like, oh yeah, well if I, you know, I'm just gonna do what exactly what Saint John Vianney did, the patron saint of parish priests, and that like God, God created John Vianney, He created him to live in France in this little village in the 1800s. Like that's not um, me, right? Uh, I haven't been made to do that. Similarly, when we look at other saints, you know, it's not just well I'm just gonna do that whether it works or not. No, no, God's created me, has given me particular graces. And his grace works for each one of us. Um, and so we need to each find that path of holiness by which God is calling us to, to live out um, all of the designs he has for us. The, the Immaculate Conception for our mother is a very unique grace for her very particular mission in the church. Well, God's grace in an analogous way is unique for each one of us. Um, and that he, he calls us to particular missions in the church, in the midst of the world, in whatever ways we're called to live out our vocation to holiness. Um, and that he gives us the sufficient grace for us, too. Because that's, you know, um, the Immaculate Conception is an overflowing of, of God's goodness, right? Um, but think, like, how, how could someone ever be made worthy to be the mother of God? How, how can that even happen? Right? Don't worry. Our Lord takes care of it. You know, like, something never done in the history of creation, and it'll never be repeated. But God does it to make Mary the worthy mother of God. She's worthy of being the... the Ark of the Covenant, the seat of wisdom, right? The the mother of God. She's made worthy of that by God's grace. How could I ever fill all the needs, all of these demands, all of the, the call to holiness? How could I ever do that? Well, stop worrying about it. God's grace is more than sufficient for each and every one of us. He can he can lift us up. He loves us. Our Father knows exactly what we need, right? He he knows exactly the graces we need, and he gives them to us um, generously. God is so generous and good to us in that way. Um, so Mary's unique grace in this way, in her immaculate conception, um, and that what this prepares her for in a real way is that she um, is, is the enemy of all sin, that Mary is 
um, the one who has been put at enmity with the serpent. This comes from the first reading of today's Mass, from the beginning of the book of Genesis, chapter 3. Um, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. And so Mary can be most readily defined as fulfilling that prophecy, uh, that she's the enemy of sin. Um, and so there is no um, way, the devil has no hook in our mother, none at all. Um, that there's no, um, there's nothing, there's nothing that Mary has in common with sin at all. She's been completely kept free from it. And not in a, um, not in a, a, a weak way. Sometimes we think like, oh yeah, that person, they just don't like, oh, they don't, you know, they don't know that. Like as if we're so smart by knowing sin, right? Like, no, no, no. That's, uh, you know, our lady uh, as a mother of God and our mother, she's not childish. She's not naive about sin, um, but she's also not friends with it, right? Um, he or she can actually be translated both ways. Will strike at your head while you strike at his heel, right? Um, our Lord and Our Lady, um, they strike at the head of the serpent. They're not. They're not naive about it. Uh, our Lady is not naive about sin. She doesn't. You know, oh, I've never. I, I've never heard of that before. Like, no, no, no. She knows exactly what sin is. She knows um, in a particular way because all the sins of the world have led to the death of her son. So she knows them probably better than we do. And she hates them. She totally detests all sin as the enemy of sin. And so we, um, you know, we we at times, we want to flirt with sin. We want to, um, you know, uh, yeah, I'm going to reject sin, but no, not really. We're going to, you know, I will, I'll stop talking to the sin, but I'll keep his contact in my phone just so I know where to go, like, I, we're not going to go so far as to delete the contact, but we, oh, we'll stop, we'll stop talking, you know, or I'll, um, it's like people who delete, as I regularly do, the social media app, but I don't delete my account, right? I know, I, in fact, just this week, I went on, uh, I wanted to prove something on Instagram, so I don't have it on my phone, but I, um, like, I, I just went to the app store, I downloaded it, I signed back in, and within, like, two and a half minutes, I went from having not on my phone to like, oh, yep, just scrolling through this and looking at that, right? You, you know. Well, unfortunately, that's the way many people act with sin. That they, um, oh, yeah, we don't regularly sin. No, no, I stay away from those big sins, more or less. But I, I know right where to get them. And I know, um, you know, we, we, we keep a cordial relationship even if we're distant sometimes. Not Our Lady. Absolutely not. She, um, there's no... Um, flirting with sin. There's no um, familiarity with it. She she knows what it is. She um, detests it, but she does not in one way like, oh yeah, here's a little wink and a nod, right? It's kind of like using the social media example that um, there's some people you could talk to about, like I, I know certain people that aren't on social media at all. They've never been on it. They never had, you know, a lot of some people's grandparents are like this, right? A number of priests are like this. Religious are like this in a in a real way. I remember, you know, just thinking of the nuns when I went on retreat. But um, like you try try to go to talk to someone who's never been on social media ever, and be like, oh yeah, look, I just got I got likes and I got the blue check because I'm verified, and they're just like, what are you even talking about? All right, it's such an artificial world, and they're just like, there's no recognition of it. There's no like, what are you even talking about? This sounds so ridiculous, right? Well, Our Lady with Sin is like, is similar to that. There's no 
like, oh yeah, no, I'm really friends like this too, but I just pretend not to be, right? No, no, no. She is not, she's the enemy of sin. She's the enemy of everything that wounds her son, that causes him to suffer more upon the cross. Every single sin causes our Lord to suffer more. He, he suffered it all um, in, the, in the agony in the garden, in the total outpouring of, of um, hatred in scourging at the pillar, all the sorrowful mysteries, scourging at the pillar, the crown of thorns, and then finally his crucifixion. He suffered for each and every one of our sins. He saw all of our sins and he redeemed them all, but he suffered for them all. And so every sin, like our Lord sees that. And Our Lady knows that, that those sins cause our, our Lord. They, they, they deepen the pain of the passion um, or deepened it. You know, in the past when that happened, our Lord saw it all. And so she has no tolerance for that. And she can be very helpful to us in that way. She is someone that we should go and talk to. Again, we all know those people in our life that we, there's no tolerance. Uh, and if I really want good advice on something, I, you know, if I really want someone to tell me, um, I go to the person who has no tolerance for that. And I talk to them and they say, you know, they, they say it straight and they probably say what I maybe could have come up with or know that they were going to say, well, that's Our Lady with sin. Don't try to go. We, I mean, if we really think that we're going to go talk to our mother and say like, oh yeah, no, I'm just going to hold on to this sin because like it's, it's really good. She, she sees right through that and stop that nonsense, right? With good motherly concern, but also being a good stern mother at times, right? Stop that nonsense. What are you doing? Right? Why? Why do that's no? There's no situation in which that sin is really okay, or that sin is really good for you. Right? Our Lady's the enemy of sin, um, and so we we should regularly um, go to her with our struggles with sins. Talk to her about it. Right? She she's she'll stomp on the head of the that snake, uh, the serpent that's tempting us. She'll go right to her. Um, we should have we should have recourse to her. We should regularly ask her help. She's our mother. Um, we have to ask her. She loves us. Um, and she sees those things that drag us down. And she wants to. She wants us to ask her for help. So, um, but, you know, one of the things in considering the Immaculate Conception and that is um, it's striking and is a, another point that we can reflect upon today. Not only is it a very unique grace and not only um, does it mean that Mary is the enemy of sin, but the Immaculate Conception itself and our, our, how Our Lady lived her life after the fact is totally hidden and it's totally silent, right? Uh, it's not, it's, it takes place about 14 years before the New Testament even begins. It's totally, totally hidden, totally silent, maybe 15 years. Um, it is, um, no one wrote about it. No one, it wasn't, even, even the Annunciation, which was very quiet, it's still got the angel and, you know, St. Bernard has a beautiful reflection on all the heavenly courts watching and all that. Like, you get the sense of the Immaculate Conception, like, nobody knew it happened. It was maybe, maybe St. Anne and St. Joachim did, maybe, you know, I'd like to think probably they knew that there was something very unique about their daughter um, and that they, this was a special grace of God. Um, but like, no one, no one knew. Um, there was no, there was no notification sent out. Like, this is the beginning of redemption. Today we celebrate the beginning of our redemption and nobody noticed. Totally silent, totally hidden. There's no written account. There's no stories about it. There's no stories like at the birth of our Lord, of the angels proclaiming triumph and all of this. This is totally hidden and silent. The Immaculate Conception is quiet around this time of year. Um, 
things are, are dark. They're, they're quiet. Um, and it's around right now, you know, we're getting, we're getting close, but it kind of feels like this darkness is, it's just, it's here to stay. And it's kind of oppressive sometimes, you know, it's barely five o'clock at night already and it's super dark and, um, and things that get quieter, you know, this time of year, there's not people running around here on this main street. There's not all those motorcycles and quads going up and down the road all night long, which is great. I sleep a lot better in the winter. Um, but that it, um, it's all very quiet, right? Well, the Immaculate Conception in the darkness of of humanity's darkness, we're waiting for a savior and we're waiting and things are dark. And when is the reign of sin finally going to be over when the darkness covers the whole land and um, there's silence in that silence, um, our lady enters onto the scene and she's conceived without any contact with original sin. Um, and nobody knew. And And then how our lady lived her life she lived her, think, this is, this is the most perfect woman ever created. This is um, the most perfect only human um, ever in the history of, of everything. And she was a housewife in a backwater village, maybe a couple hundred inhabitants, that nobody knew her. Like nobody knew her. Um, you think like the most perfect person ever. They're all gonna, they're all gonna know her, and and they should. She should be celebrity, right? Um, part of my Instagram exploration this weekend was was talking to people about the blue check. How I, it's all about you got to get the blue check. The blue check on Instagram saying that you're a verified account is like that's status. When you get that blue check, you are it's the it's the social media guru powers saying you're someone worth paying attention to, right? Um, and it's so foolish, right? Our, our lady, most important person ever, um, except for her son, no one knew her. No one, no one followed her. No one, no one pretty much probably asked her opinion on things. Nobody sought her advice and, you know, until her son came on the scene and, um, and she was totally hidden. She was silent. The Immaculate Conception is hidden. It's silent. It's quiet. Nobody needs to know. I mean, even 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 when our Lord, um, you just think like, okay, you have God and his Immaculately Conceived Mother and then St. Joseph who lives with them and that they're just totally normal, natural, naturalness. They live with such naturalness that that being totally free from sin, being free from sin doesn't mean being weird, right? It's not, it's not just like, oh yeah, no, you don't sin, you're, you're a big weirdo, right? And everyone knows it and you just really, you, you show that off, right? No, no, they're, they're, they're not weirdos, right? Our Lady lives with such naturalness. Um, when our Lord goes and teaches at the synagogue in Nazareth, the people there, he's Nazarene, where'd this man get all this wisdom and these mighty works? Is he? Is this not the carpenter's son? Like, isn't this isn't this the carpenter's son, right? Is not his mother called Mary, and not his brethren James and Joseph and Simon Jews, and not his sisters and mother? Where did he get all? Where did he get all? Right? Um, Frank Sheet talks about if it were like the local carpenter, carpenters like picture like the plumber, right? The plum, the local plumber, the guy that we call to fix the toilets, um, is God? Like what? <laughs> Oh, and the pl- the plumber's mom is is immaculately conceived. Like that's, um, yeah, that's how God entered into the scene. He was their carpenter. He was their their probably stonemason too. Worked with stones as well. 
um, craftsman. Like, that's who he was. He was a local guy around town. And his mother was so quiet and hidden. Um, and that she, um, that she lived that in a way that um, nobody picked up on. No one, no one, she didn't draw any attention to herself. She was, she was hidden. Um, her, her actual conception was, was hidden even from, you know, the eyes of scripture. But then as well, um, she lived her life in a very, in a very hidden way. Uh, and all of her sacrifices and her prayers, they were all silent. They were hidden. Sam and Mary writes in the way, Mary, teacher of the sacrifice that is hidden and silent. See her nearly always in the background, cooperating with her son. She knows, yet says nothing. And she knows. She knows exactly what's going on. But she says nothing. She stays um, quiet and hidden. Um, but that's, that's where true holiness lies. People that draw attention to themselves, people that want to get super popular, people that, you know, it's all, look at me, look at me, look how holy I'm becoming. Like, no, no, no. If you're looking at me and not at our Lord, then there's something wrong, right? We, we should look at our Lord. We talk to our Lord. We love him. And we, um, we don't get in the way of that. Mary, Mary lives this, this hidden and silent apostolate. Um, again, San Jose Mary writes in, in the furrow or in furrow. I was convinced by that priest who is a friend of ours. He was talking about his apostolic work and he assured me that there are no tasks of little importance. Hidden in this garden covered in roses, he said, is the silent effort of so many souls who with their work and prayer, their prayer and work, have won from heaven abundant showers of grace, which make everything fertile. Right? Okay, there, there are going to be people that they're, they're the roses. They're the ones that people notice and whatever. But like it's the soil underneath that and the fertilizer and the hiddenness. And that should be our, our aim for our vocations. That we, we live lives of, of hiddenness, of quiet. In our daily conversation with you, Lord, in our times of prayer, no one sees this. No one needs to. It's not, um, it's not a secret, but it's, not, it's hidden. It's quiet. It's, and it's the stuff that really works. What actually works? Got to get a megaphone. Got to get out there. Got to post stories. Got to be an influencer. Got to have you know thousands and thousands of followers and your swipe up and your blue check and all that. No, no, no. What actually works here? Right here, talking to you, in love with you, Lord, and the way that you um, call us and you teach us. That's that's the image that your mother gives us. That's what she teaches us and how she teaches us to live um, true holiness in a very hidden and silent way. That's how she was conceived. That's the, the solemnity that we celebrate today. One of the greatest feasts in the church liturgical year. No one was there to really notice it or pay attention. It was hidden. It was silent. Um, but then in the midst of all of this, with how perfect our mother is, how much we love her, um, and, and the way that she lived tremendous holiness and hidden life and silence, she still is persecuted. And so even when we do these things, we can't escape um, the cross. Now, Our Lady, in a, in a real way, um, standing at the cross of, of her son. Um, but there's another very subtle um, attack on Our Lady that is, is um, shameful on the part of, of the Jewish people, is that when our Lord is talking about, if you are sons of Abraham, um, you, would, you would believe me, right? Um, and they say, we were not born of fornication. And, and that's actually um, considered by many scripture scholars to be a jab at Our, at our Lady. That they, them saying, well, we, we weren't born of fornication, right? That they're, they're talking about, 
what was our Lord's virginal conception, but they're accusing Our Lady of, of infidelity in a way. And so even the most perfect, even those who, even Our Lady, who never sinned, who is an enemy of sin, um, who lived in a quiet, hidden way, even she was not exempt from um, the scorn and the ridicule at times, I'm sure, of others. And and we see that in a, as an example in John's Gospel. And so we too, you know, it, God gives us these very unique graces. He calls us to holiness. We want to reject all sin. We want to live in a quiet and a hidden way, which is so much more effective. But even in the midst of that, we won't be spared from at times ridicule and scorn and contempt of others. Um, but just like it must not, you know, Our Lady must have been saddened by their hardness of heart. Um, there is a line in the movie A Man for All Seasons about St. Thomas More. Uh, it's a very good movie if you haven't seen it. Um, but at the end, the end spoilers, um, Thomas More dies. Um, he's a martyr. Um, but he's betrayed. He's betrayed by a friend of his. And that he actually says, that, you know, as he's in this process of being betrayed um, by somebody lying, he says, I am, um, I am sadder um, for your treachery than for my peril. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm more saddened by your sin than I am for, for its bad effect on me. Right? If you want to yell and swear at me, I'm sadder about the, that that's how you act and that's what, than I am about the actual effect on me. If you want to treat me with injustice, again, I, I'm more saddened that that's how you, how you act than whatever the effect on And that's you know, what Our Lady must have been like. That even when she herself was treated with injustice uh, and at times maybe even ridiculed, which is abhorrent to think, she's sadder for, for their action than she is... Um, for, for whatever the effect would be in her own in her own self, and so, um, in the midst of all this, this is this is our mother, and this is the way that she she loves us, and this is what we celebrate today. And so, what what a joy with the whole church to to turn to our mother um, and to to learn from this example of her immaculate conception that Our Lady um, possesses this unique grace that she is the enemy of sin that she lives it in a very hidden and silent but so effective way. And that should be the model for all of our life of holiness and apostolate. And that ultimately, um, even when, when met with um, scorn and contradiction and hatred and sin, um, that we can bear that in, in a merciful and loving way, the most merciful heart of Mary, the mother of mercy. And so we ask Our Lady on this day, um, conceived without sin, to pray for us um, and to help us uh, in, in her Immaculate Conception. So as we honor her, uh, she may always faithfully lead us um, to love and honor her son, our Savior, Jesus Christ.